Praise the Lord. You may be seated for a moment. I want to thank all of you that have been involved with the Operation Christmas Child. Sister Becky, I couldn't have said it any better. And uh, we want you to continue to pray throughout the coming weeks for the distribution of these gifts. Although they may seem very simple to you and I, they'll be preciously received by those children who live in far, far away countries and in situations that you and I just really can't begin to imagine. So continue to pray for them. Pray for the Samaritan's Purse staff as they go through the logistics and the process of getting all of these delivered. I can't begin to imagine the red tape involved and all of the bureaucracy involved in being able to deliver these throughout the world. So pray much for them. They have a full-time legal staff that does nothing but work on the logistics of being able to get these things delivered around the world. So pray much for them. They're doing a great work, and we want to continue to pray for them. And I thank you again from the bottom of my heart. What an outstanding feat. 30 boxes this year going out. And during your praying, pray that when these are received, these are going to go to some countries that have not well received the gospel and are very, very restrictive about letting missionaries come in these countries. So let's pray that when these children receive them, that somehow it will open the door of opportunity for them to receive the good news of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So continue to pray throughout this week on that endeavor. We appreciate each of you for being here today. I have a message I really feel that everyone here needs to hear today. I don't, I don't come here with any pretense or anything of that nature, but I feel that in these times that we're facing and the way in which times in which we live right now, the Lord, as you will see as I continue on in this message this morning, there's a theme that the Lord has begun to develop in recent weeks, not only in the Sunday morning teaching Brother David does in our adult class, but also as the Lord has dealt with me in what to bring to this congregation. So if you will stand with me one more time and direct your attention to Isaiah chapter 45. I want to read in your hearing this morning verses 1 through 3. And I want to preach a message I have entitled Night Vision Capabilities. Have any of you ever used a pair of night vision goggles? Have you ever looked through a pair of night vision goggles? Brother James Morris has. I think Brother Wiley has. Well, it gives you a unique perspective and lets you see things in the dark that you cannot otherwise see. And today, to this morning, I want to preach to you about night vision capabilities. You can have night vision capabilities without the binoculars or without the goggles. The word of the Lord says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you. This is the, Lord, this is the prophet speaking concerning Cyrus, the king of Persia. And I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of the secret places that you may know that I am the Lord who called you by your name and the God of Israel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again today for this privilege and opportunity that we have been afforded to come together here. What a wonderful time we have had in your presence thus far. 
I pray that you'll just continue to bless and anoint the remainder of this service, anoint the word as it goes forth, and I pray that you will help me to deliver it as you have given it to me under the power and inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit, and that each one will receive it. And, Lord, this will burn a trail in our minds and in our hearts that will challenge us today to, Lord, really seek and to search after you and to know you more than we ever have in the past. And we give you the praise and thanks for it. And everyone said in Jesus' name, would you look at your neighbor and tell him, I want night vision capabilities. I want night vision capabilities. My brother, you may be seated, my brother was petrified of the dark throughout all of our teen years. I don't know whether I was never smart enough to be afraid of the dark or whether it just didn't really affect me that much, but I'd go out in the middle of the night. It didn't bother me. The darkness didn't. But he was petrified of the dark. One evening, I remember well on the farm, my dad had sent him out to uh, do something. The evening time had come. and all, Darkness had already fallen. And, and little did he know I was already out ahead of him. He thought I was upstairs in my room. And I hid and waited on him. He come down the path to go out to the barn to do what Dad sent him out there to do, and I jumped out from behind a tree and scared that boy so bad I thought he would just have a heart. He, I don't know when he quit running, but finally he did. <laughs> Petrified of the dark, we don't need to be afraid of the dark. According to the word of the Lord here in Isaiah's writing, Cyrus king of Persia is said to be anointed in the sense that God chose him for a special mission. Remember, you've heard me say from this pulpit, you've heard the other ministers on staff here say from this pulpit, there's not a thing that goes on in the world but what God does not have his hand in it. Any leader that rises to power and authority has been ordained and been given permission by Almighty God. He has a purpose. So here we see that King Cyrus of Persia, he's been anointed in the sense that God chose him for a special mission. I also want you to note that God, through the prophet Isaiah, called Cyrus by name a hundred years prior to his time to prove the Persian king that he, Yahweh alone, was, was the only true God. So the prophet goes to King Cyrus and tells him, God called you by name a hundred years before. Amen. Now let's take a moment and note the confession of Cyrus as recorded in Ezra chapter 1 and verse 3. The word of the Lord says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, Brother David talked a lot about Jeremiah this morning, might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation. Well, King Cyrus made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all of his people. May his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And this goes hand in hand with what Brother David said this morning. The 70-year captivity had come to a conclusion. And now under the direction of Almighty God Cyrus, none other than king of Persia, has been given commandment of God to build a house in Jerusalem. 
It is also important to note that the Jewish historian Josephus says that Cyrus released Israel when the prophet went to him and gave him the words of the Lord, and that's when Cyrus let Israel go. Amen. Night vision is the ability to see in a dark environment. Have you been out, some, out somewhere away in the country and go out and it's so dark in the night? You, I mean, it's just, you can't see. That's just, just darkness. Whether it be biological or technological means, night vision is made possible by a combination of two approaches. Sufficient spectral range and sufficient intensity range. Now, to see very clearly in the dark, you need these two things. However, from a human perspective, there is such aids as night vision goggles with the infrared technology, no less. That's, that's amazing. And that gives them the means to see in the dark. Active infrared night vision combines infrared illumination of spectral range just beyond the visual spectrum of the human eye. Now, with special CCD cameras sensitive to this light, they can see images as if it was nearly daylight. Amen? The resulting scene, which is, you know, which is dark to a human observer, appears as a monogram image on a normal display device. My daughter-in-law used to leave the backyard light on for the dogs. I said, why? Well, they need to see. Well, I said, they can see in the night as well as you and I can in the daytime because they have biological night vision. Amen. Look it up. Research it. You'll find it. I spent a lot of time this, this week Googling things about this night vision business. Now, then there's also thermal imaging, which is another dimension altogether. Thermal imaging cameras are excellent tools for night vision as well. Now, contrary to the other technologies that I mentioned, I'm certainly not speaking comprehensively on them. I'd be foolish to try that because I don't know. They do not need any light at all to produce a clear image. They produce an image in the darkest of night and can see through light fog, can see through rain, can see through smoke. Thermal imaging cameras make small temperature differences visible and it comes up in a form. It's amazing. Night vision capabilities. There's an interesting passage in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 10 that goes like this. Who is among you fears the Lord? Or who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Ooh, that's a powerful passage. You need to underline that and highlight that in your Bible. Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the Lord and rely upon his God. The songwriter William B. Bradbury penned the words of this song that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Whew. 
God promises us peace. Amen? But it doesn't promise us smooth sailing or immunity from life's problems. Amen? As the passage indicates that I read just a few moments ago, we can fear the Lord, yet walk in darkness and trouble. Amen? Now let me take a moment just to point out some familiar biblical examples of what I am talking about. First of all, there's none other than Job who lived an exemplary life. Job was a righteous man, the Bible said. He lived an exemplary life, yet he lost everything. Troubled and perplexed, he cried out to the Lord in Job, as recorded in Job 19 and 8, He has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass, and he has set darkness in my past. Job had some days just like you and I have on occasion. In fact, he had a lot of them. I hope I never have to go through what that man went through. Then there was none other than Jeremiah. After preaching to a rebellious, and Brother Dave mentioned Jeremiah this morning quite, quite often, a preaching to a rebellious people who beat and imprisoned him, here's how Jeremiah responded. In chapter 9 and verse 1, Oh, that my head were waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slaying of the daughter of my people. They wouldn't listen. They just ignored him and beat him up. Amen. Then there's John the Baptist. He was as puzzled as could be as to why his cousin Jesus, who could raise the dead, who could open the blinded eyes, who could cause the lame to walk, who could heal withered hands. He could do all of this stuff, but yet let him linger there in prison. Come on, cuz, what's the problem here? This ruthless tyrant's about to behead me. So what John the Baptist do? He sent messengers out to Jesus, and he said, look, you need to go ask this guy. I'm pretty sure he's the one, but you know who right now I'm sitting here, and he's not come and rescued me yet. And he sent those messengers in Luke 7 and 19 records, and they went to him. He said, you ask him, are you the coming one, or do I need to look for another? You know, I've really got some serious questions here. If you're the one, I, you know, I'm still down here in prison, you know. Amen? Paul suffered so much that the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8 that he despaired even of life. And yet he said that what we go through, this, this suffering that we go through is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. You see, faith is like film. Listen to me now. Faith, we, we all, we, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I'm telling you right now, from what I can see, it doesn't look real good. Amen? But faith is like film. It's developed in the dark. Dark days make us lean on Jesus Christ in ways that we normally wouldn't. Friend, if there's one thing I've learned in my years in ministry and my walk up to this far, and I'm still a youngster, I know. Thank you. Whew. Thought y'all were going to leave me out. Hang out to dry there for a minute. 
is that we must learn to lean on him. He's the only source I have that I can depend on and know that he's there constantly. Amen. The truth is if our faith was never tested, we wouldn't be motivated to pursue God and draw closer to him. We'd get so lackadaisical it would be unbelievable. Amen? You can say amen. It's all right. The hymn writer went on to pen, When darkness seems to hide his face, his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's easy to praise God when our health is good and our bills are all paid. Amen. It's when light suddenly turns to darkness that we discover what our faith is made of and where our trust truly lies. Amen. It's in those seasons that you and I develop and use night vision capabilities that are provided for you and I by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you noticed that on many occasions, God doesn't tell us why? You know why he doesn't tell us why? Oh, you all been waiting for this one, haven't you? Because he wants us to know who. He doesn't tell us why, because he doesn't want us to know why. He wants us to know who is in charge. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen? There's something that I noticed in the 23rd Psalm that takes place that I find very interesting. We all know the 23rd Psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not... You know how it goes. I noticed that David goes from talking about God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, to talking with him. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There's a big difference. You'll say, preacher, you're making a play on words. No, no. He went from talking about God to talking with him. Thou art with me, thy rod. You see, there's one thing for us to talk to uh, talk about God. It's another thing for us to talk with him. Amen. So what happened in between there? What, what took place there? David learned that no matter how dark the way is, the Lord is there to guide us. You all remember the 27th Psalm? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whew. He discovered, if you will, that it's better to walk through the valley with God than to stand on the mountaintop alone. Can you say amen? You see, God doesn't always like the path in advance. I'll be the first to, to be honest enough to tell you. 
There's been times I've shook my head and said, I do not understand. In fact, more times than not. However, he does promise. Listen now. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2, the Lord says, who created you? Now, I realize this is prophetic to, to Israel and to Jacob, but it is also applicable for you and I. We are spiritual Israel. Amen. So the Lord says, Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. How many of you know your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life? He calls you by name. Amen? I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. His angels are telling the world, you belong to him. He tells the enemy, oh no, they're mine. You mess with them, you better plan on messing with me. Amen? He went on to say, I will be with you. But when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Whoo! Y'all need to highlight that one in your Bible. Underline it. Do something. You see, when you feel like you're out of your depth or in over your head, how many of y'all ever felt that way? Whoo, boy. You talk about feelings of desperation. Claim the promise. Amen? Job had many unanswered questions. I, I, I would think so, wouldn't you? I, I would think he'd have more questions. He would have a book of questions. You know, Lord, why did you do this? You could have taught me all this without killing my whole, without my whole family dying. Without, I mean, you know, really. He no doubt had a list of questions. But when he began to understand the difference between reason and relationship, here's what he told God. Now listen to this. He said, I have heard, in Job 42 and 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. What? But now my eye sees you. It's not enough. Just to hear about him. It's not enough to just hear what I am telling you today. It's not enough to academically know. As Brother David said this morning, you ask most anyone out here, you come across and everybody profess to be a Christian. But it's one thing to profess it. And it's one, another, one thing to say, I have heard the preacher. But he says, now my eyes see you. When you can't find the reason, trust the relationship. Amen? When you can't find the reason, trust the relationship. Jesus Christ has not, nor will he ever fail. Amen? Y'all doing all right? Everybody okay? Okay. 
I won't be too long now. Just we're getting getting a little closer. Now, contrary to what you may think, and what some of these so-called preachers of today are saying, darkness isn't always the work of the enemy. I know I could have went all day without saying that. Darkness is not always the work of the enemy. Amen. 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 There's occasions that our darkness is one of God's best teaching tools. Mark chapter 6 and 48 and verse 48 through 51 says, About the fourth watch of the night... We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I'm not going into the details about what the fourth watch is. He came to them walking on the sea. And when they saw him, they were greatly amazed beyond measure and marveled. You see, you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ by going through the storms with him. I don't like the storms either, so don't think I do. In fact, I confess sometimes I think I've been through more than my share. But nonetheless, the psalmist declared to you in Psalms 139 and 12, to you the night shines as bright as day. Oh yeah, he has night vision capabilities. He can see, he can see us at the threshold of our darkness. He can look through the darkness and he can look beyond the darkness. Amen. Because he's God. He's God. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the end from the beginning. You see, it goes on to say darkness and light are the same to you. When the sun sets tonight, darkness pervades the horizon. Doesn't make a bit of difference to our God and Savior. He sees just as if the sun was at high noon. Amen. So instead of running from our problems, we must ask Jesus Christ to develop our night vision through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that he may show us the treasures of darkness hidden in secret places. Amen? Amen. When the darkness we're experiencing is God-ordained, listen to me now, don't try to create your own light. Isaiah 50 and 11 from the New Living Translation says, You who live in your own light will soon fall down in great torment. Abraham and Sarah, as great of patriarchs as Abraham was, and Abraham and Sarah decided to kindle their own fire when God's promise of an heir didn't materialize when they thought it should. Thirteen years prior to Isaac, God promised him a son by faith. Well, year one went by, year two, year three. Finally, they decided, you know, hey, we need to intervene here and help. And they decided to, tired of waiting, they decided to go it alone by father and Ishmael through Hagar. Y'all remember that story in the Bible? Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden, and ended up, Creating problems that we are dealing with as nations yet today. 
Ishmael and Isaac are still going at it. Oh, yeah. Ishmael would still like for Isaac to be annihilated. And then to really, really add insult to injury some years down the road from there after Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. Remember that story in the Bible? Esau and his anger and and his frustration over what had happened to him, he went and took a woman to wife that was of the daughters of Ishmael. So it just added more problems. Just kept complicating and we're dealing with it yet today. So don't, don't interfere. Don't, 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 don't. Don't try to create your own light. It'll just cause more problems than you can imagine. Amen? And these problems are between Ishmael and, and, and Isaac are going to continue until Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom, just in case you didn't know that. Now, let's step forward in history to Israel and Egypt. Now, God had already promised to liberate Israel. He'd already promised them that. He'd heard them. He's, he's, he's raising up somebody. However, Moses took it upon himself to do things his way. And as a result, he killed an Egyptian slave master and spent the next 40 years in the wilderness trying to help God out. Amen? Peter promised to follow Jesus to prison and to death. You can check that out this week. However, because he didn't wait for instructions, you know what happened? He ended up lopping off of the ear of an innocent man. That man was only doing what he was instructed to do by his commanders. Peter... Amen? When we're in darkness, with what I like to call divine design, that's not that program on HGTV either where that designer gets on there. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. What I call divine design, we don't have to be afraid. Jesus Christ will bring us through. How many of you believe that with me? He will bring us through. Amen? Amen? I don't know more, know any more about the future than you do. But what I do know is this, that he has never failed me. He has never seen the righteous forsaken, nor its seed begging for bread. Amen? We don't have to be afraid. Jesus Christ will bring us through. Why am I so sure of that, you ask? Aside from the biblical promises, which I'll get to in just a moment before I close, I can tell you experientially, because I have been there. I have been there when tomorrow seemed ever so far away. I have been there when, oh God, if you don't give me an answer, I do not know what tomorrow might be. I've been there. Psalms 112 and verse 4 says that, and I'll read this from the Amplified Bible, light arises in darkness for the upright. Psalms 30 and 5 says, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Amen? 
the 40 days that Moses spent alone on the mountain, Elijah's stay on Mount Horeb, and Paul's years in the Arabian desert were wasted experiences. God had a plan. They were part of God's plan. Jesus said this in Matthew 10 and 27, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. You see, when we go through those dark places, He reveals things to us. He tells us things and He makes us to understand things that we should tell when we get out on the other side of the darkness. Amen? I want you to notice two things in the Scripture. First of all, it's in your worst moments that God gives you some of your best insights. How many of you found that to be true? It's been in some of my worst moments when I had my face buried in the Word of God that suddenly the light came on. And I go, where has that been? Amen? The second thing is people will listen to you because you have earned the right to speak. You'll not convince anyone of anything if you've not walked down the road. It's one thing to talk the talk. It's another thing to walk the walk. Amen? So people will listen to you because you have earned the right to speak. So sit tight. Let God teach us the things that we can only, that can only be learned in the dark. Amen. The psalmist declared, and I'm almost done. In Psalms 46 and 1. In fact, you may want to turn your Bibles there to do a lot of highlighting if you don't already have these passages highlighted. He says, God is our refuge and strength. Now, I suppose it goes without saying we live in a very, very troubled world. In the last eight years, we have experienced 9-11. Natural disasters like Hurricane Katrina, tsunamis around the world, wars, the subprime mortgage crisis, which has virtually sent this country into bankruptcy. <gasps> Write it down, I said that. And what was soaring gas prices, and don't worry, they will go back up. Oh, boy, you're such a prophet of doom. Now, I'm just telling you, be prepared. They'll go back up. Amen? Wildfires all over the country. If they don't get something done out in California, it's going to burn down. I could make an ugly comment right there, but I won't. Y'all, no, that's right. Every night the media invades our homes, bringing it all to us in real time. Five seconds or something as it transpires, it immediately is into our homes. Exposing us to a new phenomenon called what psychiatrists call f compassion fatigue. Modern-day psychiatrists identify the helplessness, the stress, the vulnerability, and depression we feel watching and wondering. 
And what goes on in our heads is, what if we're the next to be targeted by terrorists or slammed by forces of nature? Oh, it's going to happen. If we live long enough and Jesus tarries long enough, there'll be a hurricane come sweeping through here and just... Oh, preacher, you lost your mind. No. But who will provide and protect us is one of the things. You know what? And as I, as I listen to a lot of interviews and listen to a lot of folks on, you know, just love their five minutes of fame on national, telev- on national radio and television, you know, it's always they want the government to provide this and want the government. Well, I, I better not even go there. And that's the mentality that the world is faced with today. To the fearful in heart, the Bible says three things. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Amen. Now, the margin of the New American Standard Bible, along with the margin in my New King James Bible, says this about that phrase. It it says that that phrase rightly would say, abundantly available for help in tight places. Whoo, that's awesome. That's awesome. Abundantly available for help in tight places. Now, isn't that just fabulous, man? I'll tell you. You see, when we're in a tight spot, God is abundantly available to help us. Amen? Notice also, it doesn't say that God will help us occasionally or reluctantly. No, He will do it abundantly and... Everybody say that word with me. Abundantly. Oh, now come on, say it with some passion. Abundantly. And faithfully. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. I recognize every day that what I have, what I'm able to do, what I have accomplished, if anything, it is because it is in His hand that it was done. Let me share this with you, and then I'll close as the musicians make their way. Friday afternoon from 1 o'clock to 4 in the afternoon, I was on a corporate meeting with everyone from the president of our corporation to, I, I, I don't know, there, there must have been 150 executives on this call. I had to give a report on the progress, on the status of the project that I am managing in southern Georgia. It's a $4.1 million project. In fact, it's already escalated to $4.5 million. It looks to go to 5 or 6 before we're done. And before I got on that call, I was a nervous wreck. Because if you don't provide them the right answer, if things didn't look right to them financially, that COO would have said some things to me on that, in that meeting that would not have been pleasant. So all day Friday, and uh, the, the job's going well, the finances are looking good, uh, there's not any problems, but you, 
you know that somebody's going to try to trap you. Somebody's going to try to lead you into a conversation that's going to make you look like you don't know what you're talking about. So I prayed most of the day on my travel back home, got on that conference call, listened to all these other projects ahead of me, prayed while I was listening to all that, going, oh, Lord. I'd rather take a whipping. But you know what? Just prior to my time to take the floor, there was a calm that came over me, like a calm I haven't known in a long time. I walked us through that project step by step, went through the financial explain to them where we were at, some of the opportunities we might have in times to come. And at the end of the call, the COO and the regional vice president thanked me for an outstanding job on the call. <laughs>